You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ryan goes out of the gun. Two receivers right. One goes left. Jonathan Taylor stays in as the back to the left of Ryan. Good protection. Now it wears out. And he lost the ball. He is strip sacked. The ball is out. It's all the way at the 31-yard line. And it looks like the Colts, nope, Tennessee's got it. That is the eighth fumble this season by Matt Ryan. Tannehill on play action, fires into the end zone, wide open. That's a touchdown, and that is Robert Woods. Ryan out of the gun, takes a snap, good protection. Hangs in the pocket, the ball's batted down at the line of scrimmage. Tipped up in the air, it might be intercepted. Back in the throw, Matt Ryan, great protection. And he lost the ball again, he is sacked. And I think the Colts have it, but another lost fumble on a sack. That's two of them today by Matt Ryan. He came in with seven fumbles on the season. Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger. We can put together a clean game. You know, just just go out there and put, put together a clean game where we're not turning it over. We're executing the way we can. I think we can be very good. The, the results are what they are. Same old story, same old song. Literally, Kevin could take any soundbite from yesterday's post-game press conference, and if you were to extract the thing specific to the particular game, like a particular play, the overall narrative and reasoning and reaction, same old crap, right? Same crap. Well, you know, we just, we're really close. We just got a few things to clean up. I've heard that for like 10 years. What what are we doing here? Yeah, if you're Jim Mercy, you got to be thinking to yourself right now, this is how my football team has responded to me publicly putting myself out there. Um, behind the scenes did it last year in relation to this opponent and ripping his coaches and scouts and what Tennessee means to him. And then on Thursday, we talked about it last week, uh, him going on his Twitter spree, really, and that's how they respond to you. How they responded to week 18 last year was that performance down in Houston. How they responded to losing an eighth straight season opener was down there in Jacksonville getting shut out. And now how they respond with such a massive divisional game at home. That's the one we haven't seen yet, Jake. We've seen a lot of these on the road. Now it happened at home where, once again, you're down three scores. And as you sit here right now on October 3rd, this is a bad football team in a worse division. It's a bad division for sure, right? Although, is it is it maybe a better division than we thought, and that's why it looks bad? I, I, I think it's just a bad division. I mean, Houston's winless. I mean, don't tell me the Titans are good. The Titans have been outscored by, like, 50 points in the second half this season. Yeah, 51, I think it was, right? And I just, again, if you're the owner, there's there's just a couple of questions that have to be asked. And one was what I just alluded to in that, Frank Reich, this is how your football team has responded? Four straight divisional games where you're down at least 17 points in those games? And then two, you got to look at your general manager and say, you know, the backbone of your football team, how you want to be built, what you believe in. We can debate Chris Boward's roster building. To me, he's not built it in the right manner. But if you're Ursa, you you go to him and say, wait, how you want to be built is through the trenches. Run the football, stop the run. And yesterday was the worst rushing performance in probably the Ballard-Reich era. And 
you're looking at a guy that you let walk in free agency once again wreck the game and Danico Autry. The other thing that I thought about yesterday, to your point, just kind of to add to that, if you were to, like right now, if you were to say, going into that game yesterday, we have two elite-level running backs in the NFL, but one of them it feels like maybe is starting to turn the corner towards the backside of his career and the other one um, is right in his prime and fairly unstoppable. They, they, they flipped roles in the game because Jonathan Taylor was nowhere to be found and Derrick Henry, I know Derrick Henry has had, you know been banged up at times and, and has some games where maybe he does not have the numerical production that we're used to seeing out of Derrick Henry, but that wasn't the case yesterday. Well, he looks spry. That wasn't the case yesterday. I was watching him. I, I, I pointed out on Twitter the, the program yesterday – I don't know if I still have it here or not, but the program yesterday was it was Marvel Day, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a Marvel character. I don't Captain America or somebody with Matt Ryan's body on it, right? So this huge hulking superhero with Matt Ryan's, or excuse me, with Matt Ryan's head on that body. And I I, I took the picture of it. And I'm uh, it's Matt Ryan's head on Derrick Henry's body because Derrick Henry is just a huge. I mean. That guy is such a specimen and a wonderful talent. But when he gets the ball, and, and what Tennessee does that I think is really good, and I don't see the Colts doing this enough with Jonathan Taylor, you ever notice how far back Henry lines up? It gets that head of steam. Oh, by the time he gets to the line, he is sprinting downhill. And he's like six foot nine, 310 pounds with 4% body fat. Good luck. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but he literally is like trying to stop a Coke machine on wheels. And, you know, listen, they use him and utilize him in ways yesterday that that the Colts couldn't answer. And, Jake, I think that's what is so disappointing specific to yesterday is we talked all last week, and, I mean, I was dead wrong. I, I said that the confidence that I have about Sunday is that you have stopped the run better than any team in the NFL this past season. The Titans are banged up up front. Henry has not ran the football very efficiently this season. He has been hit in the backfield a ton. And then vice versa, the Titans were the worst rushing team in the NFL entering yesterday, averaging nearly six yards per carry given up. Six yards per carry given up. And the Colts ran it, I got it right here, 23 times yesterday for 30 Eight yards. That's supposed to be your bread and butter. That's supposed to be your backbone. And for the umpteenth time in this series, you got outbullied by Tennessee. And Danico Autry did it to you. Jeffrey Simmons did it to you. And a patched work Tennessee offensive line did it to your heavily invested defensive line. And you've got a quarterback right now that has shown me, Jake, very little to no signs of. Run it back with Matt Ryan in 2023. If you're going to be bad, no need to do it with a 37-year-old quarterback. Be bad with a rookie that is growing. I know, uh, that, I know that's a bit bigger topic, but that continues to be reinforced, and the ball security issues is inexcusable. Well, you're running out of quarterbacks bet. at the garage sale, right? Like, they've gone to the garage sale twice now and, and done okay. 
Well, one of the – they went to the quarterback garage sale and they got a pretty good quarterback um, for fairly cheap, but they knew that, you know, it said like, hey, this is only got a few miles left on it. And they said, that's okay. And then they went back to the garage sale and they got a quarterback that um, started out fine and then they realized that they they had to return it and they said like, hey, we, we, we made a bad purchase here. Can we – return this and they found somebody else down the street that was willing to buy it there's a garage sale there's no returns here (laughs) that's right they found somebody else to come in and buy it and then now they went back to the garage sale again but the table's getting there are fewer quarterbacks sitting on it right yeah there are um Um, yeah band-aids are running out of the garage oh my parents have plenty of them (laughs) oh yeah Uh, that that. is the voice of kevin bowen by the way it is kevin inquiry here good morning to you on a monday morning 93.5107.5 the fan mark dykton who's been here since 2 30 in the morning Putting together audio is here as well. What's that? I said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, how about this? Hey, Jake, here's a Dear John letter to Coach Reich. Dear Coach, we've come a long way the last five years. We tried to work it out. It's just not to be. Trust you, uh, or trust me, Coach. It's not you, it's me. I can no longer tiptoe around you and your preaching image. I get to be free. I believe the righteous brothers who said it best, you've lost that coaching feeling. We just don't connect anymore. I'm sure there's another OC opening for you somewhere. You know how that works. It's not that I don't respect you. I just need to start over. Good luck, and I hope you leased and didn't buy. That from Aaron. That was not from me, by the way. That's from Aaron. Aaron sounds like he's written a few of those letters in his day. (laughs) He did, didn't he? Uh, There's a lot of validity, I think, within that, and the biggest one is this. Um, It's fair to ask the question if Frank Reich's lost the football team. They I mean, sure you don't go, seem to respond until they're down multiple scores. And, and, you know, part of me believes this. You know, when you get down multiple scores, there's an element of like, oh, yeah, you scored 14 points in the fourth quarter of, of an NBA game when your team's down 25. Oh, you know, in a PJ Tour event when you're 10 shots back, you shot 66 on Sunday. Like, where is the sense of urgency in these monumental divisional games to just be competitive early? They're not competitive early. They get right. their ass kicked in the first half. And at that point, your margin for error is gone. And we saw it yesterday. You cannot make a single mistake the rest of the way. And what happened? Jonathan Taylor fumbles. And that's the one mistake they pretty much made post-halftime. And Tennessee gifted you something there late in the first half when they had their clock management debacle and couldn't get that field goal off on, on in time. And all of a sudden, the Taylor fumble, and it's just a reminder of, you cannot get down three scores. And we're talking about Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston. I, You know, we're not talking about vaunted, perennial contending NFL teams. Kevin, here's what is a challenge for the two of us. Here's what's a challenge for Zach Kiefer, Bob Kravitz, Stephen Holder, Charlie Clifford, Dave Calabro. Here's what's a challenge for Colts fans in general. When I ask you to describe to me Frank Reich, when I just say, if you're on an airplane and you're flying to Portugal on vacation and you sit down next to a guy who is from Arizona who knows nothing about the Colts and you've got eight hours to talk to him and you get to talking and you say that you cover the Colts and the guy says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of leaders but I don't follow football much. Tell me about the Colts coach. What do you like about him? What would your answers be? 
Yeah, I think Frank is one of the top five nicest human beings I've ever come across. Understood. Um, what else? I think he um, he believes a lot. Okay. Believes. No matter what you give him, he believes. Not a guy that makes a lot of excuses. Um, I think as a head football coach, and it's apparent to me in these Colts-Titans matchups, I think you see on the other side of the of, of the sideline yesterday more of a CEO type, more of a guy that understands the operation a little bit more. You're saying he is or his Mike Vrabel is. But in terms of Frank Reich, what tell me the attributes about him that you find positive as a human being and a coach? Loyalty, um, belief. You could make the argument, Jake, that those two are out of fault at times. Okay. But I would say those are the things that I keep on coming back to is just an extreme conviction in who he has around him. Okay. And here's the problem with that. And here's the problem it creates for me, you, Bob Kravitz, Zach Kiefer, Stephen Holder, Charlie Clifford, uh, you know, all of us that cover the team, right? The problem it creates is when you make a list of attributes about Frank Reich as a football coach – No one disputes that he is a fine, fine human being. But when you start to list things about him, tell me Mike Vrabel. Give me some qualities about Mike Vrabel that you like as a football coach. Again, the CEO part, um, I think he has a great understanding of in-game management. And at the same time, um, the fact that he's not involved directly with calling defensive or offensive plays, um, he's able to kind of oversee the whole picture and knows what needs to tick offensively, defensively. Uh, They've done a great job down there that no matter the personnel, they seem to be in the mix. Jake, yesterday they had three guys starting defensively who they've signed in the last month. In the last month. And yet they held you to the worst rushing performance in the Frank Reich era. I think Mike Vrabel's instilled the toughness down there that embodies kind of how they've been built, and it's a big reason why they've had the most AFC South success in the last handful of years. He's a facilitator. Okay, here's why I asked you those two things. Not knowing, I mean, we did not set this up, we didn't talk ahead of time, whatever else. When you are listing the attributes to Frank Reich as a head football coach, you go about eight deep before you get to football. He's a great guy. He has strong conviction. He gives good scripture. He has a belief system. He He's a guy that players like as a, as a person. What about somebody that comes up with good strategy? What about somebody that comes up with good game plan? What about somebody that responds from an X's and O's standpoint and finds areas to exploit of the opponent because he sees a weakness in the way that they either run the ball or try to stop the run and the way to take advantage of it? In terms of a football execution it's like 10th on the depth chart and if you have veteran well gelled together Peyton Manning level players on the field you can get away with that with Tony Dungy but when you have for the most part a young roster that is learning to play with one another and your epicenter pieces are a guard who is just coming out of his first contract, a running back who is a young player, a wide receiver who's just emerging and figuring out what it means to be a star, four other wide receivers that everybody in town is still looking for on like a silver alert, then you need a coach that is coming out and saying, here's what we're doing, here's how we're doing it, and try to stop us. 
And you don't have that. You have a coach that is there that is perfect as the CEO of a veteran leadership group that needs little more than somebody to occasionally tug the wheel. And therefore, that's the problem with Frank Reich. He is a wonderful human being. But when you talk about him as a football coach, football is about the eighth thing on the depth chart of his attributes. And again, if I'm Jim Mercer, Jake, I just don't know how you look, how you can ignore these starts in these moments against those football teams. That would be alarming to me. That would be a trend I hear yesterday from players in the locker room. We've been here before. No, you haven't. Last year, Carson Wentz was hurt early in the season, trying to gut it out. You were up, what, three scores on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football? The Colts haven't been in those positions this season. Nowhere near that. And this is now a trend. It's starting to build, and it's continuing to be the same song and dance over and over again. Again, in these massive moments for your franchise. Week one drought, the drought in Jacksonville, the fact that your owner goes so public last week in his displeasure with how this series has unfolded, and this is how your football team responds to all of that. If I'm Jim Irsay, how do you not sit here on Monday morning and think, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Well, I think he did because has he tweeted yet? But, like, you know, part of me, Jake, is like, didn't he tweet after the Kansas City game? Is he kind of acting like how that franchise has acted? When everything's going great, we'll be public about it. That's what I meant. But when bleep hits the fan, it's just a hide. Yeah. It's just a, oh, yeah, everything's good. You know, after the Kansas City game, I'm out in front of the bus and I'm doing this and that. And that, you know... You have all these tweets all week long, and then yesterday that unfolds inside your own building, and it's, you know, crickets. Again, accountability top down. We talked about this after the Jacksonville game. It starts at the top, and right now that's lacking. You're saying with Ursay or with Ballard? Yeah. Well, yeah, Ursay, Ballard, and then Reich in that order. I think the Colts are the greatest organization I've seen, collegiately or pro, at controlling the narrative. Always have been. People here buy into everything they say. I think that's waning. Think so? Yeah. The people, well, you know, I just love the Colts because they're just good quality kids and character and da da da. And yeah, just I Mr. Think it's Ballard. Really waning. And, you know, they just, it may be. I, I mean, you, I think you have your finger more on that pulse than do I. But, you know, the number one thing that Jim Irsay should fear. The number one thing that Jim Irsay should fear is fans losing interest, apathy. I I don't think an NFL owner cares if his team's if, – if a team's 0-16 but everybody's bought in. Like, you're about to see a shift here. The Pacers give them credit. The Pacers have come out to, to start this season, and I give the Pacers credit in this regard – And the Pacers have said, listen, folks, we're not going to sugarcoat this. Here's what we're doing. We are starting over. We're starting over, and we're asking that you be patient because we're going to have some really fun times this year. We're going to have some rough times this year. But but I promise you it's with an intention. And I think for the most part, Kevin, from a fan standpoint, that's all people want is to know there's a plan. And I think there are people, now it, it may get really old if they lose 12 straight or something, but as of right now, there are Pacer fans that are like, hey, you know what? They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're young and they're starting over and they're building, and I'm kind of excited about it. I think it'll be fun to watch them play. 
I might not be able to watch him play because of the Bally thing. That's a whole different talk show. But, you know, I, I think there are people that – I'm not saying people are lining up to go pack Gamebridge Fieldhouse, but I think that there are people that are like, yeah, I'll follow what they're doing and kind of get on board. Like, this is kind of cool. They're allowing me to hop on the train before it leaves the station. That's kind of fun. Whereas the Colts' standpoint, you're getting to the point, I think, where people are like, hey, can at the next stop, can I just go ahead and hop off? Because I'm getting motion sickness. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Sad way to put it, but I think it's a good way to put it. The injuries to watch in this short week. The Colts will turn around and play Thursday night in Denver. Nothing like the 31st-ranked scoring offense in the NFL and the 32nd-ranked scoring offense in the NFL. By the way, Thursday and I know that I'm not making light of his injury, which we'll get more on. And I know people were excited to see Shaquille Leonard out there. Uh, I thought he looked like he was avoiding contact. Uh, yeah, pretty quiet debut. Um, there were certainly plays out there, Jake, that I felt like he was a non-factor. Correct. Um, I believe he did. I know it was kind of a, I mean, frankly, it was a bloody situation. I mean, that in all seriousness, him walking off the field, it did sound like he was in pretty good spirits, but um, I, obviously he's not going to play on Thursday. Um, and... They said he did drive home after that game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor would be the obvious injury to watch. Uh, I think Zach Kiefer maybe reported after the game that Colts are fearing that it could be a high ankle sprain for Jonathan Taylor. I thought at some point after the fumble, he still had his helmet on like he was checking back in the game. So I we'll have to see the severity on that. But certainly in a short week, any injury that has suffered um, – Comes into the spotlight a little bit more. I think Denver had a couple notable injuries. Javante Williams, their starting running back, got hurt in that game. Very serious knee injury, they said. Yeah. Randy Gregory, the HSC Mm -hmm. product, one of their better defenders, then got banged up. So we'll keep an eye on that again a short week. Jeff Saturday going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll do our usual Monday segments. Following the Colts' loss, give out our fan tweet of the game. Um, If nothing else. There was a lot of those, if you can imagine. Yeah, and I would say a, a dose of humor. Mm-hmm. in that <laughs> uh, and we'll take our phone calls as well 317-239-1070 uh here in this opening segment jake uh shout out to jeff brom and the boilermakers that was How about that man that was much needed uh Aiden o'connell did not practice until thursday and that's kind of purdue winning in like an old big 10 way you know it wasn't this high flying aerial attack it was the devin mockaby i ho- hope i'm saying yeah, that right. right um from a high the, school i've never heard of so I have heard of Boonville because they had a great golfer when I was in high school, Griffin Wood. Is it is it Southern Indiana? I think it's like down by Evansville. That's what I thought, yeah. Did you see his story? He was a great track star in high school and admitted to the Naval Academy and decided to walk on at Purdue. And It's worked out so far. Uh, kudos also to Ball State. Double what a overtime wild win game. over you Northern were there, right? Illinois. Yeah. Um, that's a cool stadium, man. 15 bucks to get in. Uh, you know, that's a... That's an excellent option. I think about like when I was 10 years old, if my dad would have said, hey, let's go watch a college football game. Hour away. Uh, Ball State over Notre Dame, Illinois in MAC action. And then Indiana, same old Indiana, right? You can't win at Nebraska. I, I, I'm, I'm over the IU football thing. Jake, I'm sitting there on the couch. The first play of the game, I'm like, man, that play clock is already like at five, four, three, two. Timeout. The first play of the game. Think about how much you've like tra- you've gotten ready for the first play of the game all week long. <laughs> You're taking a timeout on the first play of the game in the league. At that point, I should have just gone to bed. 
I wouldn't have had to live through the you know twenty one twenty one at one point, and then Nebraska outscores them fourteen nothing. I think all twenty one are in the second quarter for Indiana on Saturday night. Uh, I called a high school football game on Saturday, Jake. That was fifty to three really? on Friday. Excuse me. A lot of downtime. They, what, did, they did a running clock for the final what game 16 minutes. Brownsburg and Zionsville. Brownsburg is really good. Is Ballard's son Zionsville or is he? Ballard's son is Westfield. T.Y. Hilton's son is Zionsville. Yeah, so you had a lot of Colts players there on Friday night so at Zionsville. Z- the whole Zionsville team was ghost, right? That, that would be accurate. Okay. Did the Colts let T.Y. Hilton keep that banner? Because that banner is not up anymore. They took that down. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor's up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they. that's like the going away present that they give him. or That would actually like. Send a Mayflower truck his way. That would wallpaper your roof. The hell is right? this? <laughs> uh, Bert wants to know if you have any guesses on the Boonville High School mascot. Uh, Pioneers. Did you look that up? No, is that it? Mm-hmm. Is it really? That's what Bert says. I mean, it's got like Pioneers only sounds like it would be, right? Bo- what else could Boonville be? It's got to be the Pioneers. What a start to the week. <laughs> Hell yes. Well, I'm done, boys. <laughs> have Wolf fun the rest lost, of the week. Jake's riding a high right have now. Have fun the rest of the week. He's Jake Ware. I'm Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Looks like a very nice start to the week. I think temp's still in the 70s uh, to start this week. A little bit cooler coming up this weekend, but a really nice first full week here. Of October, like we said, we'll take your calls 317-239-1070. A whole lot to unpack from yesterday as the Colts fall to one, two, and one on the year. They have lost now four straight to the Tennessee Titans, and they are winless in their last four divisional contests. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Aquari, ninety three five, one zero seven five, the fan. Good morning to you on a Monday. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Colts yesterday losing at home to the Tennessee Titans. Kind of the same script that we've seen before. Get down early, start to kind of get some stability going, turnovers costly, Colts lose. They now find themselves with just a single win on the season. Uh, we did this after their debacle in Jacksonville. Figured we would do the same again, Kevin Bowen. In terms of your thoughts on this team, the performance where they are, the floor is yours. Yeah, it's a bad football team in a bad division. Um, And I think you start at the top with Jim Mercer right now. And if I am him, I'm thinking to myself, okay, week 18 last year, playing for a playoff berth, you get down 23-3 to to Jacksonville. That simmers for eight months. Week one in Houston, you haven't won a season opening game since 2013. You get down 20-3 to to the Texans. You respond to that in week two, you get shut out in Jacksonville, so that's 24 to nothing. And then yesterday, with another AFC South team, this time in your own building, you're down 24 to three to a Titans team that is wounded and nowhere near the team that we saw last season. And how do you not sit there and think to myself, what the hell is going on right now? in that this is how my football team has responded to these moments. It's not just four divisional games in your last five. Think about what was at stake in each of those games. Each of them had even more at stake than just the fact that you're playing a divisional team. And if you're Ursa, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, the previous regime, which I fired, won 16 straight AFC South games. This regime is getting blown out by teams drafting in the top five 
a banged-up Tennessee team. And really, frankly, you're just getting outclassed. You look at the 16 quarters of those four games, you've been outclassed in, you know, what, 12 of them? 13 of them? And how public Ursay was with Tennessee. You know, you, you take to Twitter last week, you go on the rant that he did, and you come out, and you're down 24 to 3. That's got to be an embarrassment at a level where it gets Jim Irsay Simbrin. And I think these are the types of breaking points that potentially gets him to do some things that um, he has not done in his tenure. Um, and I think Jim has to ask himself two questions. The first is the roster building. Because if you look at this football team, and hell, Naeem Hines said it after the game, honestly, I think it's been the offense. The defense has done its job. You remember Jim Mercer's tweet last year in the playoffs about, like, you can see it clear as day. You've got to score 30 points. You need a quarterback and an offense who can score 30 or more in regulation. Ursay had that tweet back in January. The Colts have not scored over 20 in a single game this season. Last year, with Carson Wentz, you scored 20 or less four times the entire season, and you've already done it in each of these four games. And then, secondly, you would have to go to Frank Reich. And again, the starts that these football teams continue to get off to that are horrible and putting you in such a major, major hole. So it it's, starts with the roster building, and you going to Chris Bowden and saying, the backbone of your football team, what you believe in, trench play and running the football, that is no strength right now. That would me have me looking at Chris Bowden and saying, you're not getting the job done and what you believe in. I question if that's the right building, but that's what Ballard believes in, and he's not getting it done in that realm. And then secondly, you go to Frank Reich, an offensive-minded head coach, and you look at it and say, we cannot score over 20 points in a league that favors scoring, favors the offense. Um, the Colts have finished now 10th, 7th, and 8th in the AFC the last three years. You're heading into a similar direction. Hell, you're not even at that level this season. Um, scapegoats so far, Carson Wentz, Rodrigo Blankenship, and Danny Pinter. Um, the scapegoats have got to start being at a higher level than this. And on October 3rd, you are a bad football team in a bad division. Kevin, a couple of years ago, McLaren returned to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Fernando Alonso to try to make the Indianapolis 500-mile race. For those that are unfamiliar with what that means, McLaren is a very well-established, high-reputation, uh, international race team of Formula One success and legacy, who's had success in North America as well. Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion. And they came over here with some pomp and circumstance. Alonso had run with Andretti previously for the 500 and done very, very well. So there was a lot of expectation. And it was a total disaster. The McLaren team came over, and for those that are unfamiliar, in IndyCar, you have cars that are set up to run on ovals. Then you have a different aero configuration for cars that are on road and street courses. And Fernando Alonso, who's a mega talent, goes out there and couldn't get the car up to speed at all because the McLaren team, who was really arrogant, they were the smartest guys in the paddock, and they didn't listen to any advice, and they didn't take any pointers from anybody. Uh, until it was too late when they realized that they actually had the road and street course configuration on the oval car, and it was a total disaster. And that's what this Colts team looks like to me. 
Chris Ballard's really arrogant. He's the smartest guy in the room, and everybody's tried to tell him that he is setting up a car for road and street courses that, in fact, needs to be run on ovals. And whenever anybody tried to point it out to him, he didn't want to listen. He didn't need to listen. He's smarter than you are. And he came up with a football team that does have some good players. No question about it. They have some good players. Unfortunately, they're players that are set up to drive on road and street courses, and the rest of the NFL is running on ovals. And the construction of this team is flawed. And I think Chris Ballard knows the game of football, and I think that Chris Ballard knows how to put together a team. I just think that he erred in the fashion of team that he decided to accumulate. And they have very good players in the wrong positions. And those players they have that are in the right position, there aren't enough of them. In today's NFL, you got to be able to throw the ball. you got to be able to protect the football, and you have to have a young, mobile, up-and-coming, rising quarterback. And the Colts keep going into the quarterback garage sale every two years and going back into the discount bin and getting – they need to quit shopping at Nordstrom Rack, and eventually they've got to go to Nordstrom. And it's all come to fruition here in – what you see... Love Nordstrom Rack, by the way. It is great. What you see now is the following. You have an owner leading up to the game that said he wanted everybody pissed off and tense and primal. I don't think he was talking to his fans. I think he actually was subconsciously saying that to his players. He was hoping his players would come out that way. But when you look at what Jim Mercer was selling fans on leading up to the game, and keep in mind he did say that his team was going to be all chips in, period. So what do they have to sell us on about the Colts game against the rivaled Tennessee Titans? Come out to the game and be sure enjoy the fact that Grover Stewart's wings are going to be there. The Maniac Burger is going to be on display. Even Jim Mercer knows that his team is so bland, so boring, and so underperforming that he's actually got to go to their culinary habits to get people to come to the stadium. And the bottom line is that Jim Mercer wants to talk about everybody being all chips in, and guess what? The fans are. People are spending their hard-earned money. People are sacrificing a beautiful Sunday in a city where we don't know how many of those we have left for the season to go down and watch a football team that comes out and is either too bored too undercoached or too not talented in the key areas to come out and show you anything for the first three quarters. So as I'm watching that game yesterday, what I'm thinking to myself is there are a lot of people here that are all chips in and none of them can affect the outcome of the game. So now you're at a crossroad if you are Jim Irsay where your biggest fear is about to come true and that is you're about to lose your fan base of people that have cashed in and are selling their tickets or giving them away to people to go and do something else. Now, fans are fickle and if they win, they beat Denver, all of a sudden Chris Ballard's a genius again and everybody's back in on board. But for right now, fans deserve better, the city deserves better. And people expect better when they go down what they want to see as a football team, not necessarily that wins every game, but looks and acts like they're prepared to try to do that. And instead, they have a coach that about the eighth thing that you would list about Frank Reich and his attributes would be his coaching prowess. He is a nice guy, no question about it. When you talk about Chris Ballard, about the eighth thing that you would list in terms of Chris Ballard of his attributes would be his ability to build a 2022 roster. 
and with Jim Mersey, who is a nice, kind-hearted, philanthropic, and fun guy, about the eighth thing that you would list with with Jim Mersey would be his ability to light a fire on his team and kick their ass to go out and play a game that's worthy of me spending my dollar. And that's where they are. And that's the pickle that they're in. And Jim Mersey, to his credit, has worked very, very hard to not be his father. But in doing that, I think that Jim Mersey at times perhaps has crossed over into becoming an owner that is a little bit too interested in being the best friend of everybody and not the guy that people look at and fear the repercussion of not performing to the level that he expects. I think it's really well said. A couple things that stand out, Jake. I don't think Jim Mersey is used to his franchise being in quarterback NFL purgatory. Correct. This is the reality of... 80 90 percent of this league and until you find your way out of it you're going to continue to be in this position and his gm clearly doesn't see that either um the other point that i wanted to make off that is jake beating denver to me is not some cure-all it's not some ballard is back to being a genius the nfl has outliers we see it all year long hell the colts performed one last week they got a gift in kansas city but last night you saw who kansas city really is you, know, you look over the last handful of games, we know who Kansas City is. And if you look over the last handful of games, we know who the Colts are right now. One performance on Thursday night football is not going to change it. You have got to, if you if you really want to change the ways, if you really want to get this fan base back, you've got to string together. We're talking multiple month-long run here of consistent 60-minute type of efforts, getting off to better starts in games, doing it against teams that matter which would be the divisional teams on your schedule until you do that this is again a bad football team in a bad division last week you got gifted one by a team that just had the rarest of rare types of performances in Kansas City that was not the Colts oh man the Colts are that good the Colts can be that good no 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 the Colts are a team that continues to get down three scores to every single AFC South team that's who they are right now and until you start to put repeatable performances together, this is where you're at as a franchise. I used to think, I'm thinking to myself, boy, they're going to have to trade up a whole lot to draft one of those quarterbacks. If th- these types of efforts keep up, they're not going to have to trade up any, Jake. They're going to be sitting right there in position to draft one of those quarterbacks. My buddy yesterday, Matt Jacklin, sent me a text that said that tie is going to cost the Colts a top three pick. <laughs> And you're talking about fan bases like becoming, you know, checked out or whatever. I mean, they said the game was sold out. I was at the game. There was a lot of empty seats. So people might have purchased tickets, but they didn't show up. Yeah, they love to throw out the number of tickets distributed. Mm-hmm. That's not uh, hey, Jake, butts in the seat. That was there the was realest stuff I've there. ever heard you say. It really does seem like the only one that are all chips in are the fans who can't affect the outcome of the game. Yeah, don't don't ask the fans to affect the outcome if the team goes out and just rolls over. And, you know, that's where I made the Ursay comment earlier, Jake. No accountability from top down. He's fine doing the, the fun video after the Chiefs game. But now when his franchise has gotten slapped in the face again in his own building, there's nothing post-game. Right. Nothing. Let's start with Paul. Let's get Paul on the line here. Paul, good morning. Good morning, fellas. <clears throat> Real fast, um, I'm I'm just so sick of the team starting like this every freaking week. Um, I don't know, and this goes back to last year. Um, and, Derek, I will do you one better. You said they've not scored 20 points, more than 20 points all, all season long. They average 14 points a game. 
All I heard about off season was he's up tempo, he's up tempo, he's up tempo. Why don't the Colts go out there and start the game no huddle? Because when they do that in the game, actually, they do move the ball. And sometimes they score. I don't understand what the Colts have gotten themselves into with this old quarterback carousel. When you go out there and you see Marcus Mariota doing it with lesser talent, Geno Smith doing it with lesser talent, the Colts have all this talent on offense, supposedly, and we can't score more than 20 points in a game. And it's very frustrating as a true blue fan, and I'm getting fed up with how Frank Reich and Chris Ballard comes out after these games and says we're almost there. Let me, hey, Paul, quick question. Do, and I don't mean this kind of similarly because I'm And I am big, a big fan of Derek, so thank yeah. you, Paul, for the, <laughs> for, for the compliment. Paul, do you have Colts season tickets? Uh, I used to. I, get, I gave them up a long time ago. Okay. I used to have season tickets, but I was close to go to the last two games, and I've been very frustrated, and I won't go until they show me that they're on the right track. And I'm – this is, as a true fan, this is very, very frustrating. I get it. I appreciate the call, Paul. I get it. And again, I. The problem is, people aren't going to give up their tickets. I mean, we know that, right? People aren't going to give up their tickets. Their season tickets. I'm saying, and until they do, I you know. Colin says this, uh, I, as of most fans, Colts fans, cannot wait for October 31st to see what happens if they get a loss on October 30th. I believe heads will roll at West 56. Jake, we've talked about this a little bit here to start the season. What would get Jim Mersey to do something of that sort of magnitude? Um, yesterday, I think, was a step in his embarrassment meter that has to have him boiling. Because, again, he went public last week. He went private last year in the Colts-Titans matchups. And we talked about it with Zach Kiefer last week in undressing his coaching staff and his scouting department and how inexcusable it was to continually lose to Tennessee. Well, that happened again yesterday. It happened in your own building. Now you look at the other games on the schedule. Jacksonville's your next home game. And then Washington with Carson Wentz. And Colin is referring to that Washington game on October 30th, those are the dates that I've kind of always had circled of if this continues and those performances happen in your own building, and as Mark Dykton said, those empty seats continue to grow, that's where I think Ursay could do something. How much do they have under the cap? Uh, for some reason, like 12-ish million is standing out. I would have to double-check and look that up. So they haven't spent every dollar they needed to spend. Correct. That they want you to. Yeah, preach. That's spot on. You know, I mean, they they ain't discounting the tickets, are they? Not yet. Secondary market, maybe. (laughs) Secondary market, definitely. Jeff, Saturday here to talk about the Colts with us, and Jeff, we'll get right to this. Um, you know, there are a lot of areas in where you can point to to say that the Colts came up short against the Tennessee Titans, but you know more about this game and have forgotten more about it than I'll ever know, so I'll just go straight to that point. If you had to pinpoint one area that you would like to see cleaned up, it would be what? 
Yeah, ball security. Yeah, we, we, we are uh, we're abysmal right now. You know, turning the ball over at inopportune times. Um, and it's going to make every other area that's, that's struggling, it, it makes it, you know, glaring. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, your run game isn't nearly what you want it to be. Uh, we're not very efficient at it at all. And so, you know, you have a chance you're down seven within the red zone and you fumble the ball. I mean, you know, you, you, you're fumbling snaps, even if you get them back, um, just ball security. It, it has to be a point of emphasis. It has to get cleaned up. If you're going to have any shot, the margin for error in the NFL winning is so slim anyway, but um, the way we're built right now and the way we're playing, it's even, it's even tighter. Uh, and so to put yourself behind the eight ball, the way we did yesterday, you're just not going to beat good teams uh, playing that way. Jeff, I want to focus on that run game. I thought that was the most uh, shocking aspect to yesterday. Tennessee came into yesterday dead last in the NFL in run defense. We know the yeah. Colts; they want to, you know, they want that to be their strength. And they had 23 carries for 38 yards. It's the worst rushing performance in the Frank Reich era. What did you see yesterday within that matchup? You know, um, man, I, I, mean, I could I could get deep into this i think it would be difficult to do you know our style of zone you know defenses are playing them where they're crashing the end so basically they're pinching um and clogging up the middle we don't have much of a perimeter run game really we don't have any perimeter run game right now and so um it's allowing it's allowing linebackers to trigger when they see combinations um we're not getting any movement at the point um, and, and, and Taylor is one of those guys who, as the game goes on, he, he tends to get better and better at seeing the hole. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's on him, too. Sometimes he's getting the bare minimum of what's blocked. I would tell you one of the early runs, maybe the th- second or third run of the game, I mean, it's a big hole right in the middle. And, and I think a safety made the tackle in the hole and, and uh, one-on-one. And, again, that's one that – you know, to have those big hundred-yard days, you got to make somebody miss. And if you just just flip it over, I mean, just look at what Derrick Henry did. I mean, he made you know, made one or two guys miss. He breaks twenty, twenty-five yard run, and all of a sudden, your run game looks completely different. And so, we're we're lacking in that. And, and I'm just telling you, it's not the defenses are going to play us that way. And, and I don't think that there's any surprise that that's the way that they are playing. Um, we got to get better at it. We got to either get more creative or be better, more efficient at what we're doing. Uh, otherwise, it's going to get ugly. And to your point, if that's what you're depending on, and that's what you know, you're, you're, you bring in Matt Ryan, and that was part of it, right? Is hey, we can bring him in because we can run the ball efficiently and just have him manage the game and make big plays when we need to. Now we've thrown it all at his feet because uh, when they're shutting you down the way they did yesterday, there ain't anything but to ask the quarterback to win it. Great Jeff Saturday. He's with us every Monday and I guess maybe Friday this week recapping Colts games here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeff, let's go to Matt Ryan. Um, certainly the support around him is probably lacking in some areas, but the ball security has been an issue. Um, how would you evaluate the play of the 15-year vet this season? You're not good enough. I mean, ball security is the number one part for, for a quarterback. And so um, you know, you, you look at turnover ratio and how that impacts games in the NFL. I, I mean, I don't know if it's the number one statistic, but it's got to be up there in the top two or three. Um, and again, another, you know, another performance where when the ball gets hit, uh, it happened last week and we kind of got a little bit, you, 
if there is pressure, you have to cover the ball. You have to protect the football. Um, and, and right now, it's just there's too many times when it's on the ground. And even if they don't get it, the other team doesn't get it. It sets you behind the drive. You're so far out of phase now that you're playing in to the defensive hands. And so, um, yeah, that, that it has to get better. And, and again, it's, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about the way he's spinning it or the way he's throwing it. I'm, I'm not, you know, getting into the quarterback side of it. I'm just talking about the, the basics. Um, that portion has to get better. If we, again, the margin of error is so slim uh, that, that he has to play above the X's and O's. And right now, uh, that that's not happening by him dropping and, and the ball being on the ground. Jeff, do you think it's possible Frank Reich has lost the locker room? No, no, I really don't. I mean, I know, I know Frank. I know the guys in the locker room. In all honesty, I know some of those guys and. Um, no, man. I mean, this is a team that they listen. They've started slow before with them, and they've come back and they've done things. And so, this is a team that believes they can fight their way out of this. I, I don't think that has changed uh, at all. I, I think when you, the, the problem for the Colts right now, and in, 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 you know, other than the ball security offensively, um, and, and we could say this about yesterday's defensive is is what's our identity like what are we hanging our hat we're hanging our hat on our run game and that's not producing we got problems right like yesterday the 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 titans could do no wrong i mean Tannehill, i think was i mean he managed the game right i don't know that he had 200 yards but i don't think he had two two or three incompletions maybe i mean it was it it seemed like every time he dropped back to throw it it, it's a completion um and then every time henry touched it it was the the piles getting moved forward it's if there's no part of your game that is that is stepping up, it's hard to win. I mean, you know, you, you think about um, the good teams and whether it's one drive or two drives, uh, we're, we're just it's, – it's like we don't know what problem is going to be. Um, and so, you know, which, which area is not going to be stepping up and performing the way we need to. So it's collective. It's, this isn't just on coaching. This is there's – a, there's a lot of dudes who in that locker room got to hold – hold themselves accountable as well and and play better. Jeff, let me give you the analogy that I gave earlier and then I want you, Jeff Saturday, to tell me if I'm way off base. And I know you'll be honest in critiquing that, right? Um, I basically said that McLaren came to the Indianapolis 500 a few years ago with Fernando Alonso, who is as talented a driver as you can find anywhere in the world. And they they just were off. They couldn't qualify for the 500. They couldn't get the speed. And then we later found out that they actually brought a car that was designed for road and street course racing, which is a different configuration than an oval car. And when people tried to point it out to them, they didn't want to hear it because they were dead set that the car they had was okay. I feel like that's exactly what the Colts have done. And by that, I mean, I feel like the construction of the Colts has talent it just has talent for a style of football that the rest of the NFL is going away from. Any truth to any yeah. of that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think anytime you're talking about a team that wants to be, you know, run dominant, you, you would you could say that, right? I mean, like there's going to be – you could say that about the Titans, right? I mean, there's, there's teams that you can say that about, that, hey, their philosophy of football, the Patriots, is different than the rest of the league right now. But I think a lot of that has to do with – um, the pieces and parts are round. I mean, and so, uh, again, if your philosophy is, hey, we're going to play good defense, we're going to run the ball, we're going to be efficient, we're going to take play-action shots, you can win that way. I mean, there's listen, there's a lot of guys who have won a lot of different ways. I still think it's possible. You're looking at the Dallas Cowboys are doing it exceptionally well with a backup quarterback. They're, what, 4-0 and 
doing it exactly like that. But again, man, they're not turning the ball over. Their defense is freaking, they're all over the place. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're turning it, they're getting turnovers. So whatever philosophy you believe in, Jake, like, like you got to execute that philosophy. And that, that's what I mean by the Colts. If, if you're going to be run, if you're going to be run heavy, you got to be the most creative run team in the league. And you better be doing something that goes, man, like, look at what they're doing. It can't just be, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to run, we're going to run, you know, inside outside zone. And that's it there. Because that's just, that's not going to just keep translating to, to movement. And so I think that's kind of, that would be what I would say is if, if this is your philosophy, you have to play the way that the Cowboys are playing, where you are turnover efficient on defense. You are trusting in those runs. Because, listen, we have two of the best backs in the game. I mean, we have a top-five backfield. Um, but, you know, you, you, you watch teams like Green Bay. They put both those guys on the field a lot together, and they create an offense kind of based around it. Um, so, I, so I think there's, there's areas for growth, and I definitely think there, there's enough talent to win you just got to go execute it and play play efficient in it. No touches for Naeem Hines yesterday until four minutes to go in the third quarter. Jeff, last yeah. one from me. And again, Jeff Saturday is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. A busy Monday morning of travel for Jeff, so we appreciate his time. Uh, Jim Mercy was pretty public last week. Jeff, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter in expressing kind of his passion behind this matchup. Tennessee has now won four straight in Indy. They've won five of six. Uh, knowing Jim Irsay like you do, um, how do you think he views this current run in the division for the Colts? They have uh, not won their last four games. They've been down by at least three scores in each of those four AFC South games. I'm sure he's pissed, bro. I mean, I mean, here's the listen. You know, Irsay wants to win as bad as anybody I've been around. Like he he cares and 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 you know wants it wants it as bad as any owner out there and, and cares and knows probably more about football than most owners in all honesty. So, um, yeah, man, there's no way he's happy with what's going on. And, and to your point, right, to, uh, we, we lose 24 nothing to Jacksonville. We're down in this one 24-7 or 24-3, whatever it was. I can't remember um, early in the game. And, and uh, you know, we battle back. We, we get close. But, it's you know, clo- close doesn't help anybody sleep at night in the NFL. Clo- you know, close means we're all looking for something else. And so – um, that that's that's got to be frustrating for Jim and listen frustrating for Chris and for Frank like I mean makes no words like these guys understand that it's a it's a it's a production business and if we're not producing uh, you know we, we got to figure out why and figure out fast Jeff last one for me I'm going to give you a listener question for Jeff Saturday this is from Ryan on Twitter uh, hey guys can we get Jeff Saturday to come in and run the Colts organization absolutely you tell you tell jim to to send that uh what does he call it the horseshoe down there down towards atlanta (laughs) would you do it honestly if if an opportunity presented itself in in management for you i'm not saying the colts i mean we're not you know chris ballard's here but if if some if that conversation percolated would you be would you take that call in all honesty i've had conversations with people throughout the league uh, over the past few years and I'm pretty happy doing TV uh, at this point. So it would be – it is a commitment, and, and I'll be honest with you, man, it's a family commitment, you know, from, from you know, my, my – with, with my wife and I and my, my kids and that, those kinds of things. There's a lot to it. So it's not just, you know, would you. It would be uh, all, of, all of the different factors. So I've never gotten so close where I would tell you that I was seriously considering it, but I've had a number of conversations. So, But I am honored that people ask, and I appreciate it. 
Uh, and listen, I love the game. I love I love the Colts. And was so, that conversation uh, you know, ever with the Colts? No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, they've been, they, you know, they've they re-signed, you know, Chris and them recently, and I think Jim's pretty happy with the way that the organization has has gone, um, you know, and now obviously with the, the, the struggle early, people are going to ask questions, but, um, you know, Jim's pretty stable, man. He's not a, he's not a, you know, kind of jump around type guy. So I feel pretty convinced these guys are going to get it turned around and, then, then they'll be they'll, then all the people in India will be happy I am doing TV. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, safe travels, and uh, hopefully we can catch up with you if you got some time on Friday to recap Thursday night football. Sounds great. Talk to you guys then.